I'd like to thank you for inviting me on the show. I really like to listen to my favorite podcast, Pop Culture Pasta. Pop Culture Pasta. All right, Cody, have you done much with the chat GPT? No, because I'm anti the machine. All right, calm down, John Connor. It's, it's okay. Rage against the machine. <laughs> it's going to be all right. Um, I find chat GPT and the AI stuff to not be super great, but it's probably because I don't know how to prompt it. I'm not very good at prompting it yet. Um, but I did ask it for an opening to the, sh- to the pod today. Okay. I want to compare it to what my opening would have been. Okay. So um, it starts. I, I, this, is, this was my prompt. Okay. Create a script. For the beginning of my and Cody's quirky pop culture podcast, it should be about a minute long and also take into consideration that I am and we are pastors. I'm scared. Okay. It says background music fades in, which chat GPT, (laughs) you've seriously overestimated our resources. Or uh, overestimated our abilities. (laughs) To be fair, you know, like I didn't... uh, uh, I didn't tell it not to anyways. And this is, so here's the script host energetically. Hello, 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 lovely listeners. Welcome to an absolutely delightful episode of pop culture pastor. I'm one of your hosts, pastor Dave, and I'm here to take you on a whimsical journey through the vibrant tapestry of pop culture. Huh? That sounds exactly what? like you. I know, man. It's just like, this is coming. It's, it's so natural. <laughs> it's so natural. Uh, background music fades slightly. Uh, this will be you, okay? Oh. Host warmly. Oh, that's which, not me. <laughs> I, which, when I think Cody, I think warm, warmly. Warm blooded. Okay, and this least. is what she would say. Your script is now you might be wondering what in the world does a pastor have to do with pop culture? Good question. <laughs> well, my dear friends, just like the parables that Jesus used to teach profound lessons. Pop culture often reflects the value struggles and triumphs of our society. It's a treasure trove of stories, characters, and themes that we can explore and ponder upon in a meaningful way. I feel like it has hacked into my personal computer. Chat GPT? Look at you go! Like, Chat GPT just went beyond most Christians. Um, well, I mean, most of us are operating at about a... A sixth grade faith level, if we're we're being honest, <laughs> and most of it is below that. So, okay. background music shifts to a slightly contemplative tone. Oh, we're, we're contemplative. We're back to me reflectively. Each week on this podcast, we'll dive deep into the quirky, the extraordinary, and the simply irresistible aspects of pop culture. From timeless movies to catchy tunes, captivating novels to binge-worthy TV shows, we'll celebrate it all. That is us to a T. Yeah, I think so too. This we're we're all over this. We're really close on this one, Chat GPT. Uh, background music fades slightly. We're back to Cody this time. Heartfelt. <laughs> That's me. So whether you're a movie buff, a comic book aficionado, or just someone who appreciates the joy that pop culture brings to our lives, Pop Culture Pastor is the place for you. Together, we'll explore the nooks and crannies, <laughs> nooks and crannies of this colorful world, and who knows. We might even find some surprising spiritual insights along the way. That sounds exactly like me. I know. It's eerie. It's, it's in eerie. my head. 
Th- this is my favorite part. Background music swells, then gently fades. <laughs> How says, much background music do we have? This has got blood sweat written all over <laughs> it. Uh, back to me warmly. So, my friends, grab your headphones, settle into your favorite chair, and get ready for an unforgettable adventure as we embark on this journey through the realms of pop culture and spirituality. Thank you for joining us on Pop Culture Pastor. Through time and space. Realms and journeys and adventures. Oh, my gosh. Tapestries. We just went Indiana Jones. Nooks and crannies. Background music fades out, and then now enthusiastically. Now, without further ado, let's dive right into our first topic of the day. And then that's the end. Oh, okay. That's the end of the script. That's pretty good, huh? So that's not our typical intro. Um, no. Usually it's something very random. Yeah. And I had something very random. I mean, that was still pretty random, though. That was for us, especially. What were you going to, how were you going to start the show? Oh, I, we were going to play a game, a game uh-huh. that I do with my wife in the car. Okay. And it's basically a hot take game. Okay. Yeah. Let's go for it. Okay. Let's do it. So, hot take is Christina Aguilera. Aguilera better than Britney Spears. Oh, yeah. Is that a hot take? Okay. So it starts off weak, and okay. then we get into All right. more extreme. Okay. All right. Okay. I, I see the game. Okay. Yes, S- definitely. Definitely. Uh, absolutely. Okay. Hot take. Christina Aguilera, better singer, singer emphasis, uh-huh. um, than Leanne Rimes. Talent. Yes. Style, no. Okay. But close. I, I, would, I would put them on even, even ground. And now we step into the inferno. Okay. All right. Oh, here we go. I'm so excited for this. This is amazing. Christina Aguilera, better singer, vocal powerhouse than Beyonce. And this could get us all canceled. Get out. <laughs> no, no, no. Um, yeah, absolutely. I think so. Okay, so my wife answered the same that like yeah. she had Christina above Queen B, but bonus question, hot take, and this one would be a hot take. Leanne Rhymes or Beyonce? Better ooh, singer. Ooh. <sighs> Boy, that's I feel like I'm gonna get in trouble if I even say Leanne Rhymes is close, but Leanne Rhymes is super underrated. Oh she, yeah, because she disappeared for so long. Because she like you know did the family thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like people forget she was a huge star. At what age? Teen. I mean, she was yeah. low teens. Mm-hmm. And she's got pipes. Like, yeah, she's got pipes. But Beyonce, of course, is amazing. I don't know. How do you judge talent when you're at that level? And we're just down here looking up, you know? Exactly. Like, I'm I'm inclined to say Beyonce. But I feel like I don't want to sell Leanne Rhymes short. Because I figured there, there might be some Leanne Rhymes fans out there screaming at us right now. I don't, but I don't know. Maybe there's not. So, um, my wife chose Leanne Rhymes over Beyonce. But she also said that she doesn't understand where this... Beyonce's a powerhouse vocalist comes into play because in her rankings, it is Mariah Carey. Oh, yeah. Christina Aguilera, Celine Dion, and then 
the rest. Yeah, I'd have thrown Whitney Houston up there when she yeah. was, when she was in the li- among the living. Well, uh, but I, amongst I, the living, I don't disagree with her with her uh, observation. I'll say that because I mean, Christine, yeah, Mariah Carey, and Christina Aguilera are just different. Oh yeah. Now I'm not a big fan of Christina Aguilera's style with all the runs. Mm-hmm. Um, and and it, she spawned so many copycats, which like. If you're not Christina Aguilera right, right. talent, you yeah. should not be doing it. I'm not a fan of because yeah, you have all these younger kids trying it, <laughs> and it just you know I wasn't a fan to begin with, but uh, I acknowledge that Christina Aguilera is an amazing talent. Um, but yeah, you know Beyonce is interesting. It's interesting how music people get big, get huge, mm-hmm. because it really is a lightning in a bottle kind of aspect. Uh, catching lightning in a bottle of it because there's so many talented people that don't get super big. And then there's looking less, at you, Kelly Rowland. And then there's less talented people that get super big. Like, how do you explain Britney Spears mm-hmm. compared to Christina mm-hmm. Aguilera? Cause like nothing, you know, like I don't want to sit here and bash Britney Spears, but she's not on that level of, of Christina Aguilera with her singing talent. Very few are. Um, and even Madonna. Like, you can't put Madonna in the same talent range as Christina Aguilera, Mariah Carey. But yet Madonna, you listen to that music, and there's there's a combination going on. Mm-hmm. Like, she had good writers, producers. They had a good ear for what people would like. And so, what she can do. And, like, because I don't want to bash Madonna either. I mean, she's the queen of pop. She is. Tune in next time when we do the male edition of 90s pop singers. That was fun. <laughs> I dig. I dug that. That was good. I look forward to the next uh, next edition of your hot take game. Don't worry the the take home the home game version will be available soon. Yes, from Pop Culture Pastor, as seen on TV, as as heard on the pod. <laughs> um, okay, let's talk about some news. This is Pop Culture Pastor, by the way. Yes, in case you didn't get that from Chat GPT. Yeah, I don't know if we I don't know if we introed that enough because we did the fun G- chat GPT thing. Next week I might try that again too, you know, in some other on another pod too with a different like that was quirky. So, but man, they nailed it with the spirituality and the the combination and the parables. I was like, wow, chat GPT is getting people at my church gonna be mad at it already I, more than they already are. I want soap opera themed. <gasps> Ooh, yeah, that's the next one. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get to our news items. Sydney Sweeney's Marvel superhero finally gets confirmed. Do we know who Sydney Sweeney is? Are you? Yeah, she's in uh, Euphoria. I've heard of her. I just don't watch anything she's in. Um, she also drinks by oh, the 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 weird water thing. I think so. Yeah, she's one of the advertisers for it. Okay, yeah. So she's she got big uh, for her role on HBO's Euphoria. One of her next big things will be she is in Sony's upcoming Spider-Man universe film and sure to be disaster. I added that part. Madam Web, which <laughs> like, you know, I just don't understand. I don't understand what Sony's doing, but here we go. Uh, Madam Web is what they're doing. She is, as she is rumored to be, she will be playing Julia Carpenter, a.k.a. the second Spider-Woman in the comics. Are you excited about that? I mean, so, so she was a West Coast Avenger. <laughs> um, like, I feel you really have to 
establish that property and yeah sony's not good at that no and then like the 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 amount of characters that are in this movie that that it appear to be in this movie is just so silly so um She's the second Spider-Woman uh, in the comics. She became Spider-Woman after being unknowingly subjected to experiments of part of what was, she was told to be a, an athletic study. At some point, she was injected with a mix of spider venom and exotic plant extracts, as one does. I mean... I love comic books. <laughs> I It makes sense. Uh, she actually played a big role in the comics. So at the time, she was a West Coast Avenger. This was at the time I was reading comics as a young person. She was in the first Secret Wars. Um, dude. So is there East Coast Avengers or are they just the That's Avengers? That's just the Avengers. The West Coast Avengers were led by Hawkeye and had Vision, the Scarlet Witch. Uh, Tony Stark uh, was maybe involved with them for a little bit until Rhodey kind of took over. War Machine was in there. But for a little while, Tony was was in the West Coast Avengers with his cool red and silver armor, which I was a fan of. I dug it. Wonder Man, uh, B- Vision's brother, which you know, don't ask. <laughs> I, I can't even. I can't even attempt to explain that one to you. Um, Tigra, which <laughs> uh, you know was Marvel's shout out to the furries, I think, because she's literally a cat. She wears a bikini and has fur and had a tail. I mean, it happens. Yeah. And so anyways, um, other people in this movie, Dakota Johnson will star as Madam Webb, uh, uh, Isabella Merced and Celeste, Con- Celeste O'Connor rumored to play Anya Corazon and Maddie Franklin, which now you're making up. People. All right. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know, man. It's like a it's like set in the Spider-Man universe with all these female Spider-Man characters. But of course, no Spider-Man, which is the basic overall problem with all these movies, a la Morbius and the soon to be Craven the Environmentalist. I like what <laughs> I don't understand the point. Maybe Sony should just stick with the animated films. Yeah. I think so too. I yeah, we're looking forward to seeing multiverse or Spider-Man uh, Spider-Verse movie. And we're going to review it next next week just to let you in on what's what's happening. Spoiler, I'm going to say it's the best thing I've ever seen. <laughs> Probably not. Cody's Cody's already telling you it's the best thing he's ever seen. And haven't even watched it yet. <laughs> um. Okay. We need to talk about this because you sent me this list of every upcoming live action Disney remake and development. I was not a fan of it. Have you seen Little Mermaid? Have you no, because once the review came out that the only good scenes are the ones that were shot for shot remakes, <laughs> I'm like, well, I enjoyed the animation, so I'm good. My wife and daughters went, and they enjoyed it. Oh, well, that's so good. I mean, it is- I don't wish ill on those that watch it. It just right. doesn't say, Cody, watch me now. I am, again, I'm just going to say, this is another one of those things I don't understand. I don't like if we're such big fans of the cartoon, why wouldn't we just watch the cartoon? Uh, I've been watching the cartoon. I think that it is a creative. Well, it's a lame creative way to, to spur interest 
in the cartoon and doubled their money by getting people to go to the theaters yeah. for the live action. Because you'll get those that are like, I only like the cartoon, and then they'll watch the cartoon. And then you'll get those that are like, I'm going to watch this movie. And then they watch it, and they're like, now I got to compare it to the cartoon because it's been so long. Yeah. So I will say there's 15 in development, right? With three with, with release, release dates already. I'll say this. I think the older Disney stuff is is can, can be ripe for this. So um, the first there one. There was one that definitely piqued my inter- yeah, interest. March 22nd, 2024, Snow White. And that makes sense to me because that's the oldest one um, in the Disney archives. And as such, it's it's an older story, and it was I, I don't know what to say other than it had less story than you know uh, the Lion King. There's less going on there, and so it being fleshed out in live action, kind of a la Cinderella, uh, what they've done with some yeah. of the live action Cinderellas, it makes sense to me that 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 they would want to do that. And there's already a live action Snow White film. It just wasn't from Disney, right? Right, because because. What I'm trying to say, though, is that older stuff can be made into live action stuff, and it makes sense. Yeah. Uh, so that one's not so bad. Lilo and Stitch, I, I don't know what you're doing. Don't do it. Why? Stop it now. <laughs> Just I stop. I don't know why we're doing this unless Gilbert Gottfried was still alive and you were going to make him Stitch. Because then I'd be okay with it. But no. Why? Cash grab. May 10th, 2024, their their next cash grab. Lilo and Stitch live action. Then apparently a sequel or a prequel to The Lion King? Mufasa, The Lion King, expected in July of 2024? I'm, I'm kind of intrigued because I assume that you would get Mufasa growing up, becoming a wise leader, and also get the story behind Scar and his Scar. Also, March, May, and July of the same year, those three movies? Are we for real? They're trying to own the animated Cinemax Cinemaplex. Yeah. Moana, which we've talked about. The Rock changing Too the, soon. Changing the hierarchy of live action remakes. Which right, yeah. How old is this movie? Do we really need it? Oh, and they told the the, the Moana actress to take a hike. She's not. She doesn't get to be Moana, and I'm just what? She had a phenomenal voice. She did, and she's still young because that movie came out like two years ago. Well, a little longer, whatever, than that, but not that much. Um, The Hunchback of Notre Dame. Should we tell him? Should we tell him that's already a classic movie? <laughs> it's classic movie <laughs> slash classic literature. Classic lit slash. There's probably some non culturally appropriate things for our time oh so they'll water that down and change it just like they did for the little mermaid okay i'm just saying like the whole story yeah bullying quasimodo bullying quasimodo uh some some feminists will have a problem with you know the, the the pretty girl always being made to fall in love with the it's all about his love interest right you know yeah uh, what's it, Esmeralda? It is Esmeralda, and they'll have a problem with the the man savior, the patriarchal savior complex stuff. Which, whatever, you know, I'm okay. 
And why does she have to fall in love with him? She can have her choice of whoever she wants. And and I would gently remind all of those um, females who feel that way that there's about half of females who actually want to be saved. Like they're looking for, they're they're the other kind, right? There's all different kinds of people in the world. I'm looking for there's, just a huge sum of money to fall in my lap. <laughs> there's dudes that want to be saved. Yes. I'm looking for yeah, right? <laughs> um, the Aristocats. No. Did they not see the debacle that was Cats, the musical in live action in film? These are all in development, by the way. There, there's no dates, but um, again... Knock that one off, although that is a fun musical movie. Were we big fans of the Aristocats to begin oh, yeah. with? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. you, you were? Oh, yeah, because everybody wants to be a cat. Hercules. Eh. Dwayne The Rock Johnson's already done that one. No, this this one I'm I'm slightly okay with because oh, I'm not anti it. It's but- under the radar as far as Disney cartoons goes, and I'm even more into it if you bring back the people that do the original music to do new versions of it. And right? if you bring back Danny DeVito. Yeah. You got some people still alive there. Like I'm kind of okay with, uh, um, well, they would never do a Pocahontas one. Cause then you're, you're, there's no way they could water that one down to make it. So someone wasn't mad, which I'm is, already angry, which is what Disney wants to do. But if you were going to do it, do it while Phil Collins is still alive. And so he can redo the music. Because the music was perhaps the best part of that movie. How uh, dare you? Cruella 2, which it's not exactly a live action remake. It's a it's a reimagining. Um, and Emma Stone, that, that one's uh, that one's not quite doesn't fit the category in my in my opinion. Tink, do you know what Tink is? I have no idea what that is. Um, I think I've actually seen Tink. Okay. Sword in the Stone. That was the one I was most intrigued by. Yeah, Dad, sign me up for Sword in the Stone. I'm here for that. Make it, but make it like for kids. Like we we've got all the King Arthur stories we could ever want that are gritty, dark. Um, the the of course the early '80s Excalibur is like the standard for me, and that one's super dark. Helen Mirren is a young young ladies in that movie. A um, lot of great people in that movie. Slash, I also like the King Arthur legend where he's pulling the sword out of the stone. Yes. Instead of getting it thrown to him by some lady in the water. But I, I think that one in particular, make it, don't make it super serious. Keep the original childlike flair of it. And I want a great Merlin cast. Uh, oh. Tink is going to be the, the Tinkerbell movie. Oh, what? Yeah. That's the that's on the Cruella kind of framework then. Um Jungle Book 2 didn't need it. Didn't need it. Bambi which how? At that point aren't you just making like CGI rip remakes of I mean still animation. You're not going to train a deer. <laughs> that deer won't do anything we want it to do. <laughs> You're fired. Aladdin 2 don't need it. Um, no. And again, Gilbert Gottfried's dead. Yeah. So. And unless you could bring back Will Smith and have him as the genie and just have him slapping people. <laughs> <laughs> just have him slapping everybody. Robin Hood. Okay. That one works. Again, some of the classic stuff I'm, I'm, I'm okay with. Now I'm, I'm curious 
would they still be animomorphic um are they going to characters? be foxes yeah like are they still going to be animals who talk and walk upright and speak is there going to be a snake yeah the black cauldron that oh, one's that's old that one's really kind of off the radar and and there again that i think you're you're on the right track go get those weird Sword in the Stone, those weird out there, even Aristocats, which I'm not super psyched about, but I get that. Take the ones off the beaten path to remake. Oh, yeah. I don't know why you're going after, like, the the animated films of the millennial group. Like, go before that. Because, A, the millennials wa- grew up watching them on VHS or on Disney. Mm-hmm. And whenever Disney would open the vault and release those on VHS. Our parents bought them. So I grew up watching Sword in the Stone and Black Cauldron. Make those. Those are classics. And also, like, with Robin Hood and with Sword in the Stone, Hercules, even though that one does fall in the millennial category, um, there's a live action comp already out there. So it's not a shock to the senses. It's something that I can already wrap my head around. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, Excuse me. We need to talk about this. Uh, Every once in a while, a story will come out about something older and we've already done a be kind rewind on it. So this is sort of revisiting a be kind rewind. We've already done we did a Be Kind Rewind on one of my favorite movies ever called Wayne's World. Party on. And um, we talked, I think we hit a little bit on the friction behind the scenes in the making of that movie. And Wayne's World's director, Penelope Spheris, did a, did a podcast recently. Oh, she could have done ours. And she, I know that would have been amazing, but she didn't. She did it on a, on a THR's It Happened in Hollywood podcast. And so the 77-year-old director director set the record straight about the rumored clashes. So nobody had ever talked about this really directly until now. So I'm reading from a May 25th article from The Hollywood Reporter that kind of describes what she said on this pod. Uh, she said it wasn't an uncomfortable set. Said She said Mike was hypoglycemic, which makes the skit he did of the hyper-hypo kid even funnier because <laughs> he was coming from a real place. Uh, but if he got low blood sugar, he could get grumpy. So what? Big deal. She said, I worked with Richard Pryor and Albert Brooks. They'll, they'll give you a heart attack. Okay. So she's, she downplays it at first, Oh, but she says there was real discord and it began after filming had wrapped and they started screening it for test audiences. Now, have we talked about this on the pod before? I feel like we've talked about test screenings. Uh, touched on it, especially with the Marvel and DC stuff. And are, are we on the same page that I don't really understand? I mean, I understand why they do it. I don't understand why they put so much stock into it. Yeah. Especially like if your sample audience isn't necessarily who your target audience would be. Well, it's so subjective like I would err on the side of your original creative vision that would, mm. especially when you have creators like these people we're talking about, like Mike Myers, Dana Carvey, like go with your original gut creative vision 
in 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 that case. But she goes on. She says uh, Mike Myers Mike Myers' father died around right around that time, so he had returned to Canada for the funeral and missed a lot of those early screenings. Mm. And she says that um, that they got great audience reaction in the testing, and that's when the poo hit the fan. She says. She said he wasn't there to witness the incredible audience reaction and look at the test cards and realize that we had something on our hands. So she's implying that the movie was even better at one point, which to which I'm like, oh, man, is there an original cut? I want the Spheres cut of Wayne's World. Um, Instead, she said Mike Myers watched the film alone and wrote 11 pages of notes, many of them suggestions for cuts, single spaced on a legal pad. (laughs) Oh, and she said this. This is as direct as she get. She gets quote most of them sucked. Okay, so she's she's finally being direct and saying he asked for quotes. Get this. Let's. This is amazing. What he wanted cut from the movie. Among the cuts Mike Myers wanted from Wayne's World was a scene in which Lara Flynn Boyle, who plays Wayne's ex, who is still pining for Wayne, crashes her bike into a car. That scene was hilarious. Hi, Wayne. Hi. <laughs> like, yeah, that was a great scene. It got the biggest laughs in the theater. Can you, I mean, do you have a reaction to that? He didn't want, he wanted to cut it. Why do you think, why do you think he wanted to cut it? Not enough him? She says Mike didn't want it in there because she was getting the laugh and not him. Oh, yeah. She says that the Saturday Night Live crew was taught this by Lauren Michaels to always one up each other. Like it was always about you getting the bigger laugh. Lauren Michaels. Now, when I read this, in this article, I, I thought of another thing I read recently about Dana Carvey on the set of Saturday night live and Dana Carvey, um, also appearing on a podcast, his own with, uh, David Spade. He does him and David Spade do a podcast. He revealed that he prevented Robin Williams when he hosted Saturday Night Live from being on a skit of the church lady, church chat. Oh yeah. She said, he, he said that Robin Williams really wanted to be in the skit written into the skit somehow with the church lady. Um, of course the church lady was one of Dana Carvey's breakout characters on Saturday Night Live. Mm-hmm. Um, and Dana said this, he said, quote, he was a really good friend and he really wanted to do church chat. Now, in the early days, this was my golden ticket, and I was very careful. I thought if Robin got so excited, I was just afraid of it. He shared um, that Williams personally asked to appear in the sketch, and Carvey declined. He said, quote, he even called me Saturday morning at like 10 a.m. and said, Carvey, uh, he said, oh, I'd really like to to play in this sketch. And Dana said it was difficult for him to deny his friend because they were friends. Not after that. But listen to this. He says, quote, it was heartbreaking, but you know, we got past that. We were friends. But in those day, your thing was very precious and I wanted to keep it quasi real in a sense. Now that's, that's ridiculous. That last line, whatever. You just wanted it to be your thing. And Robin Williams was a force. Oh yeah. If he appears on that skit, he's going to be the main focus, not the church lady. No way, Jose. Um, so I thought it was very interesting when I read this, uh, what Penelope Spheris said about Lauren Michaels and what they taught him. Um, Also, Myers had his doubts about one of the most iconic sequences in the film when Wayne, Garth, and Powell's lip sync to Queen's Bohemian Rhapsody. And now I'm just like, Mike Myers, you are a menace. 
What? <laughs> iconic, Cody. That's iconic. I okay. So I judged the middle school talent contest just last week. Professional judge Dave Rimble. Celebrity judge Dave Rimble. <laughs> I judged it. The cur- the chorus, their their chorale or whatever, did Bohemian Rhapsody and headbanged in that part where the guitar solo happens. Noise. That's how iconic it is. Kids who weren't even close to being born re- reenacted that scene in when they sang Bohemian Rhapsody. And so, oh, Mike, this isn't going well for Mike. Um, he said they hated doing it. She said, Penelope Spheris, they hated doing it. They hated headbanging in the car. It hurt. <laughs> they didn't have the muscles in their neck and it started hurting real bad. They started asking for Advil on the set. Well, that doesn't make it not funny. It was awesome. Uh, the, the worst part was Mike said, not only did it hurt, that it wasn't funny. And now I'm just like, everything I thought I knew about Mike Myers, she's just tearing it apart. Uh, Sphere strongly opposed Myers' suggestions and told producer Lauren Michaels and Paramount executives the film would suffer creatively, creative, creatively and comedically were she to et- execute them. Lauren took me aside and said, Penelope, if you don't change the movie, you won't direct Wayne's World 2. Mike's not going to approve you. Paramount execs told her, we really want to do Wayne's World 2 with Mike. We're not going to tell him you won't change it. You have to tell him. And Lauren said, I'm not telling him you tell him. So I told him and I got canned. Wow. <laughs> I feel we should have a pod where we talk about SNL shenanigans, yeah. as the youth say, um, especially with Lauren Michaels. I do have beef with him most of the time, I feel. Yeah. Yeah, this is too bad because um, Penelope Spheris got canned for it. But while she agreed to do a handful of Myers changes, it is mostly her vision that made it to the screens, including those two iconic scenes. And spoiler alert, even though Wayne's World referenced the doors nonstop through it, so it should, or Wayne's World 2 did this, and it should be my favorite of the Wayne's Worlds, it is nowhere near as good as the first one. Yeah, right. Wayne's World is just an iconic movie. Um, moving along, the Flash directors, you know, they're about they're, they're on their promotional tour now. And, of course, Ezra Miller is going to come up. Where are we at here, by the way, with Ezra? Where, I'm, I'm curious, where are you at with this movie? Are you Clearly, uh, we should probably review this movie, but how are you feeling about this? So their actions, like even five years ago, I thought, why is no one yelling about Ezra? Because they are like choke slamming old ladies in Europe for kicks and giggles. Um, but um, so evidently Warner Brothers has done a good job of keeping Ezra's name out of the news. I mean, yeah, uh, we haven't heard from him. He's not on the promotional tour. And so or they, 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 mm-hmm. yes. And so the thing is, I saw a short, like might've been a 15 or 30 second little trailer uh, on max for this movie. Mm-hmm. And that snippet 
compared to even the trailers, the full trailers that they've released, which I was like, oh, this looks good. That snippet got me even more revved up for it because it focused a lot on Keaton. And I'm like, that's my first Batman. Yeah. And so it got me in the nostalgic feels and oh, everyone and their mom is giving this a good review thus far. Even Stevie King. Somehow Stevie King has watched this. And yeah. Steve King says, this movie's great. And I'm like, are we sure that Stephen King didn't get paid to, to say that? Steve King might have. I don't know. <laughs> but Steve King has already watched it. Um, Terry Crews already watched it. Says it's great. And I'm like, why aren't they giving me a sneak showing so then I can tell people this is great? Yeah. I don't know, man. I don't know. Because, like, look, let's compare it to Jonathan uh uh, Major Jonathan Majors in the Marvel situation. Um, if Marvel's being real cagey about it right now, I think they're waiting to find out how the trial's going to go. Which I believe it started, didn't it? I don't know. I have been avoiding this topic. If they if he's found guilty, like Marvel seems to be delaying until they see the outcome. But if he found is he's if he's found guilty of what he's accused of, then it, by all accounts, it looks like Marvel's going to go a different direction and recast. If they didn't, I don't know that I would be able to enjoy his portrayal like I did before. Like if they were just going to ignore that, you know, he did this thing right um, now. The weird thing about that is we don't have nearly the evidence of what he's done like we did Ezra. However, with Jonathan Majors, there's no mental health thing at play that we know of. Yeah. So with with Ezra, there's there's clear he's gotten help. He's gotten treatment. Now, my big problem, though, is this. So I started this with that they're on this, uh, the Muschietis, uh, the producer and directors uh, of the movie are on this promo tour now. And they shoot down the the assertion. Remember when Warner Brothers was kind of putting it out there that they might just cancel the movie altogether? Uh-huh. That, they said no. That was never on the table. Never on the table. There was never a legitimate fear of that. Uh, that wasn't, they. she says, that was never real. So those were apparently misreported. They never considered that. It was just Batwoman or Batgirl or whatever that film was that no one now will ever see. Barbara Muschietti goes on to say, we have a lot of empathy in general for people who need help and especially in mental health issues. That's why they are taking the necessary steps to deal with their recovery and we support them in that. That's the, that's the quote. Now, here's my problem with that answer and that assertion. How come it went on? This went on for months of him out there doing just nutty things of, of them out there, Ezra out there doing nutty things. Like, where was the care? So it happened years before yeah. this huge kerfluffle that happened in Hawaii, then went back to his place on the East Coast. Um because, yeah, that video from Europe, no one batted an eye. And I'm like, this is a deal. Because it was right after Fantastic Beast 1 came yeah. out. Yeah. And I think they're full of junk. Like, this to me, I got upset reading this article because I'm just like, yeah, no one seemed to care about Ezra 
until it got close to this movie, gotten closer to the release of this movie. Now all of a sudden, oh, we care a lot about Ezra. Mental health this, mental health that. Like Ezra was just out there doing a lot of things like this way before, and nobody was saying a word. Um, and I want to be careful with how I say this, but even if there are mental health uh, diagnoses, uh, things that um, could have an influence on their behavior. There's still consequences for your actions. Absolutely. And yes, you need to get help. And there's one thing missing from all of this that I think is necessary. Like, look, we're probably going to watch it and review it. Like we do all the big comic book movies. That'll probably happen. But this is going to be a topic of conversation. If it, if this thing doesn't happen, this is necessary. At some point, Ezra needs to get in front of a camera and and apologize where everyone can see it. He's got the statement where he said he was getting help. Uh, they, they were getting help. I'm sorry. I'm not attempting to misgender them. Um, it's just this is uh, something we don't have to deal with in our little small town. So it takes us a while to get used to it. But that's we don't want to disrespect them. Uh, we want to call uh, everybody by the pronouns they want because why wouldn't we? We think you're valuable. Uh, you're, you're human, you're made in the image of God, we love you, okay? We want what's best. But I think from the movie standpoint, at some point, you have to have Ezra front and center saying, I'm sorry, things got out of hand, right? Not just the statement. You, at some point, he's got to be there. Otherwise, it's going to hurt the film, right? Yeah, although as someone that has purposely avoided looking at whether anything comes of their actions from the Hawaii debacle and stuff. If there's any like legal pending stuff like lawsuits um, or things, they might be under legal advisement to not publicly yeah. apologize. And then you're not getting that until something happens court wise. I think it needs to happen before the movie. I, otherwise I think the movie's going to get hurt by that. Um, I would say the same thing about Jonathan majors too. Even if he's found innocent of the charges, I think it would behoove Marvel. If they're going to stick with Jonathan majors to have Jonathan majors in front of a camera saying, Hey, I'm glad that it all worked out and the truth came out, but also I'd like to apologize for even putting myself in a situation where I got into this kind of conflict because by all accounts, it's what happened happened. It's just on whether it was self-defense or what was happening. Like, you know, that seems mm -hmm. to be where that's going. So I, I, I'm not just saying it for Ezra. I'm saying it for anybody. You need at some point the person in question to, to come in front of everybody and just say, Hey, um, obviously this is not what I intended to happen. And I'm asking you to still support my art because I'm sorry for, for anything I might've done. And I mean, so there was an interview that Cedric, the entertainer did. Mm -hmm. Um, and he was talking about, um, his comedy and, um, how some people don't think he's as edgy as he once was. And he talked about how, uh, the CBS show that he's on with Schmidt from new girl. 
um, that there's 150 people on that set that are dependent upon Cedric the Entertainer still being on that show. Mm. And if Cedric the Entertainer is not on that show, that show is kaput because he's like a main central character. He's kind of a focal point, him and Schmidt, their relationship. I know the guy's name's not Schmidt, but he's going to be Schmidt from New Girl <laughs> Forever in my books. Poor guy, um, but also lucky guy. Yes. You get an iconic role. Um, otherwise, it would have been from the Gilmore Girls because he was on that show as well. Was he? Spoilers. Mm. Um, but um, with Ezra, I think they could make an apology uh, praising all the people that they got to work with that worked on this film that uh, though their actions at the time um, were not of the best intent, uh, the people that worked with them um, have poured their hearts and souls into the making of this film and that uh, you should still watch it not for Ezra's sake, but for their sake. Yeah, you might have uh, you might have been a a good person for public relations. That was pretty good. That's you, what I'm here you, for. You've got it all down. One last thing in the news. We've done a lot of news. I know that newsies. Um, but this one I cannot let go. We've got to talk about this just briefly. Al Pacino, his girlfriend Albert Nor Alfala. I'm just going to start this off by saying Al's 83. Al's girlfriend is pregnant. He's about to have his fourth child. He's 83. <laughs> but you might be wondering, how old is she? Uh, uh, I don't know. How old is she? I believe I saw 29. Oh, my goodness. Oh, is, is that a record? 83 and 29? He's having a child at 83. Let's just. Like, come on, Al, Al Pacino seems like a great dude, but come on, let's just think about that kid's life for a second. How many, how many years does Al got left? There's no way he lives to see that kid's high school graduation, right? Probably not. Cognitively, not most likely. I mean, I think about that now and I'm only 46. Um, I, it, I add 18 years, like, you know what I'm saying? Like Bobby De Niro also just recently had a kid not super long ago. Yeah, 79, 79 years old is Robert De Niro. And I'm and I'm just like, oh man, I don't know. If you are a mob movie star, evidently you have kids late in life as well. Pacino is already a father to director, producer daughter Julie Marie Pacino, who's 33. Whom he, who's older than his girlfriend. <laughs> He's also a father to twins, Olivia Pacino and Anton James Pacino, both 22, whom he shares with uh, actress Beverly D'Angelo from the vacation movie. What? Yeah. You didn't know they were a thing? I did not. Yeah. So I guess. That's, he married up. That seems he did. He did. Uh, but yeah. Anyways, I just thought that would throw that out there because that was the craziest thing I read all day. 83 years old, about to be a dad. I'm praying that Al makes it to the birth. <laughs> Hold on, Al. Hold on. We're all not guaranteed the next day. We so. are not. 
We are not. And he's already lived. A, he's outlived the average. In anyways, male life expectancy for sure. We don't. I don't want to say it because you know. Don't put that evil on me, Ricky Bobby. Yes. <laughs> I don't want. I don't want to. I don't want to speak anything into existence. Uh, hey, that's the news. We had a lot of extra news this week just because uh, that's the way it worked out. Come on back. It's pop culture lately coming up. second part of this episode what we wanted to do is uh this is what we're doing we've done this before it's just a pop culture lately yeah what we've been into lately uh, that we haven't necessarily talked about on the podcast or talked about yeah. in great detail we, we like to do this every once in a while and especially going into we're about to go into a run of weeks where we've got dedicated things so because there's a lot of movies coming out We've got some be kind rewinds that kind of play into those movies. So some hot topics. Yeah. So we wanted to kind of get this out of the way now. We're coming off Memorial Day weekend. So just give you a kind of a random pod. This is what we've been into recently that we don't really talk about on the pod. Does that make sense? You're welcome. You are welcome. So if you identify with Team Cody, you're going to get a lot of... Great animated movies and stuff such as documentaries and TV shows to watch. Yeah. Um, should we talk about the one we have in common first? Sure. Uh, so recently, I've been trying to catch up on things that have been recommended to me. And I've replaced my, you know, nighttime. So I stay up later than everyone in my family. I'm a night owl. And I usually would like just, you know, kind of get ready for bed and watch Friends. That used to be my, my go-to. That just sounds miserable. No, I actually enjoyed it. But thank you. <laughs> thank you for, for bombing on me. But um, there have been several shows that I wanted to to watch because they've been recommended to me. One of them was a show called From. From. That uh, Cody recommended to me and I believe is on your list. It is on my list. And um, so From... This is it's a very small little summary and we're going to we're going to try to stay away from spoilers in case you guys want to watch these. I things. was going to spoil the ever loving nerd out of it. Um, but you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> the Residents uh, first of all this is on what's the original this says Epics? Yeah, it started off on Epics, but I think Epics is now MGM. Yeah. Yeah. And I watch it on Prime. Yeah, I, you can watch MGM Plus or whatever it is on Prime and yeah, yes. I, and I think season one is free for for from. I had I actually paid for season two. Um, we never canceled our MGM subscription, but mm, tough play, tough play because I don't think they have much else <laughs> that I want to watch. Um, and if I'm being honest, the way this season's going, oh, let's just get into it. The residents of a small town struggle to find a way out when mysterious unknown forces keep them from leaving. So it's like you're kind of set up as your standard um weird very much purgatory-ish mm-hmm. we're we're trapped in a circle and stranded in this little small town type thing which i think's been done before um big spoiler 
This is from the creators of a one show that Dave really loves called Lost. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's even got an actor from that show in Harold Perrineau. He's kind of the front and center guy. Harold Perrineau, who played, um, uh, uh, what was his name on Lost? I didn't watch Lost. His son so. was named Walt. That's all I remember is him yelling, Walt! <laughs> um, anyways, Harold Perrineau, the veteran of Lost, is on the show. Some of the writers of Lost are involved in this. And I think when you're watching season one of From, you understand and can see it. There's a lot. I mean, it's very mysterious. And in and then season one, it does a pretty good job of sucking you into this mystery, Right. Um, it does a pretty good job of what's going on here. I want to try and figure it out. My current current theory, because I want to bend everything to the way I already see the world. That's a human thing. Okay. They're in hell. I think they're in hell. So I said, because my brother-in-law watches this, Leah's brother, uh, he loved Lost. So mm-hmm. he, he got in on this. And so he said in his notes, because this season's taken forever to develop. Um, yeah, season two. He, he said iffy. that Lost may not have taken quite this long, but they would take their sweet time getting to the actual like juxtaposition. Um, and um, so I told him what my two theories are. It, one was. Uh, someone's dreaming, and this is all a dream. It's all a dream. You're going with the Dallas JR. season three to four. Yeah. <laughs> um, or it's Dante's Inferno. Oh, okay. So there's the different levels of hell. Yes. Okay. And so that's where I went. Um, they all are. So my wife and brother-in-law and his wife um, they have suggested like maybe it's a government controlled experiment. Mm-hmm. Maybe it is. Um, oh, what else did they say? There's a few other things, but yes, there's yeah. there's just a bunch of people trapped in this little place. And oh, by the way, at night these monsters come and try to eat them. Yes. And are successful from time to time. But the rub is, is that at some point they've found these little stone medallions that they can hang up in the house. And when they have those, they have the monsters have to be let in. They can't yeah. force their way in, which is very vampire like from True Blood. But it's it's season one. So there was some great religious imagery in season yes. one. Yeah. Season one, I think, did a good job. Uh, let me let's talk about the similarities with Lost. Um, it's got all the things in season one, especially the hallmarks of Lost, except for one. Uh, the hallmarks, though, are, hey, you're, you're presenting mysterious things. You yeah. have a group of people who are in a situation that is um, not desirable. You have Harold Perrineau. Yeah. And, and so, like, it, it, it's got me. And I'm guessing. I'm like, oh, why is this bad thing happening to these people? What is going on here? Also, there's supernaturally type things going on here. Yeah. Um, Here's the here's where it differs from Lost and where it loses a little steam, in my opinion. The, the Lost in season one was a slow burn. Mm-hmm. That's the, what my brother-in-law said. It's a slow burn, and it's very grounded. There are weird little things going on. 
that you decipher to be supernatural, but um, could also not be supernatural, right? Mm-hmm. You, there's there's other people on the island. They know that. Anyways, it's very grounded, and they the character the narrative was built around flashbacks of the characters, which made good uh, character development, which made you care about the characters. This show is missing that, in my opinion. I don't really care about most of the characters. So this season, I feel they've done the weirdest thing of, like, no one acts like real people this season. Not at all. Because, like, oh, there's tunnels underground oh there's this thing out in the woods oh there's this thing no one's talking about it to each other no and like i would be telling everyone hey there's There's, this happening and there's this yeah like not to get too deep into spoilers but harold perrineau's character goes out into the woods ends up in a castle yeah. With like like a medieval castle, it gets stuff like there's stuff crawling around in his skin, and he's not telling anyone. And you're just like, why? To what end? Why wouldn't you tell someone this is nuts, bro? So I will say this last episode. I haven't watched it. It has has me intrigued for next week because like some one of like two or three things is going to happen and it could make the show a lot better or it will be the point. The show jumps the shark. I, I think it's worth watching. I think you should go watch it. It definitely cause season one's available. If you're on prime, just go watch it. It's free. You'll it's ha- fun. You'll have a good time. It's fun. It's kind of scary. It's got a creepy vibe. Oh yeah. Really in the first season, especially. And so go watch it. Season two. Yeah. They're in danger of jumping the shark mainly because they haven't slow burned like lost it's too much there's everything there's no way they can explain this now without it being just totally supernatural there's too many weird things they've introduced now where it's like how many weird crazy things could we introduce and it's just now you've got other characters showing up who have ties to some of the characters You're like oh well that seems more than coincidental yeah and one of the theories was that this is like a treatment facility. Ooh. Okay. And so there's a bunch of theories. I still don't know what's happening. Yeah. Okay. So uh yeah, that's that's Spoilers something on that's that. something we've both been watching here yes. from on uh you can find it on Prime uh, but it's on the MGM network technically speaking. Yes. What what do you got? What do you what have you been watching lately? I'm going to I'm going to stick with shows, TV shows in particular here at first. Okay. So I won't jump the gun on that then. Um, so, um, I'll say that I've been, whenever Netflix has like one of the new, like, um, true crime, like series. Yeah. You're, you're into that stuff. Um, my wife especially is, if it's done well, I'm into it. If it's not, it's like, why are you wasting my time? <laughs> um, so, like, uh, the Murdaugh Murders, um, which oh, is a doc yeah. series mm-hmm. on Netflix. Um, that one was was good and very timely when they released it because it coincided with, like, the trial and it wrapping up and a guilty verdict, spoiler alerts. Um, 
and also for a while until it ended um watch the Dahmer Netflix series oh yeah which old Jeff he's he's weird yeah I gotta say I'm not into the true crime stuff and I'll tell you why um when we did the hatchet wielding hitchhiker Mm -hmm. with Kai about Kai that was different for me because it was very much true crime but he was fascinating like there was something there was something an issue with him in particular where he went viral like the whole story is just so crazy that it happened um so that was a fascinating part for me and i was into it the basic true crime stuff like this murdoch stuff the the guy who did he get found guilty yes yeah he got found guilty i i just find it sad it's just sad to me. I get really sad when I watch it because I'm like, oh, yes, there's people out here who who do these things. And there's no fascination about it. It's just it's just evil. So I guess for me, like especially if it's like a docuseries mm-hmm. um, like with Jeffrey Dahmer or if they. Um, those, so I get the fascination with the serial killers. Yeah. Oh, well, that's I'm not saying that yeah. other people being into it is a problem because yeah. I get it. I understand the draw to it. I'm just trying to explain why I'm not. particularly. Yes. It just kind of makes me sad. so like for me, I'm always like, OK, what what happened in their life to set them on this path? Uh, what's their mindset? Uh, like with the Unabomber, it was interesting to me. Not that this was something I've watched recently, but there's a documentary on Netflix about the Unabomber. Um, he went to Harvard. Oh, yeah, dude. He was brilliant. And Cal Berkeley. And he was part of some government experiments that were done oh, on Harvard yeah. students. Mm-hmm. And his brother said he was never the same. But if you look at his childhood, he also had a history of killing animals, like mutilating Mm. them and had a father that was at least verbally abusive. He might've been physically abusive, but like you couple that with whatever happened with the government LSD experiments, because it was along those lines. Mm. Um, Now I'm back to being sad again. (laughs) (laughs) Like Ted Kaczynski becomes like, Someone well, you're, you're like, oh, there's a lot more to this guy. Let's be very clear. Let's 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 put on our pastor hats for mm-hmm. for just a second. Monsters are created. Oh yeah, absolutely created. No one is born a monster. And the same with Jeffrey Dahmer. You get a little bit of his backstory, but then you see like how the legal system failed at many points mm-hmm. um, that they could have stopped him. Yeah. Even like immediately after his first murder, like there was a chance that they could have stopped him. They yeah. didn't. Yeah. Yeah. I, I yeah, <laughs> that's all that needs to be said. Uh, yeah. So that's good. I've been into, I, I finally, after multiple people told me I needed to watch house of the dragon. Now I didn't watch house of the dragon when it came out. Cause I was really just left with a sour taste in my mouth how HBO handled Game of Thrones. So here's a little, uh, you know, a little history. I loved the Game of Thrones books. Read them long ago, the ones that came out. He threw ago. one across his room. I did because it was, a. I mean, but to be fair, it was the reaction the book gave me. It was such a startling visceral reaction, visceral reaction to what the readers and showrunners know as the Red Wedding. 
that I threw the book and I didn't touch it for two weeks. But then, of course, I came back to it and read it because I loved the books. The show was good up to a point, although I'm on record as saying not a fan of HBO, HBOizing everything, the content. Like, I don't need the nudity. I usually fast forward past those parts. I, I guess you can call me a prude if you if you feel like it, but I just don't like it. I don't appreciate it. Um, I don't need it. Yeah. The story's interesting. Just tell me the story. Yeah. Um, but I've been watching House of the Dragon, and while it does have some of those older Game of Thrones vibes, and I recognize why people like it, it's just okay for me. I can't get into it like I did the other characters. Question. Yes. Is Matt Smith good in it? Oh, he's excellent. I'm, okay, so I may wait, watch Wait, do you it. mean he, is he a good guy or a bad guy, or is he good at acting? Good at acting. Oh, he's brilliant. I don't need him to be a good guy. Yeah, it's it's very good. The acting, of course, is is top-notch, and Matt Smith is is absolutely fantastic. His character in general, you, you're going to go back and forth on whether you like him, you don't like him. I mean, he's good. He's very, um, what's the word I'm looking for, for someone who's, you, you don't know whether you like him or you don't like him, but you know when he's on screen, he commands the the your attention. Mm. I don't know. There's probably a word for that, and I'm not going to come up with it. But it, so far, I'm about halfway through the season, and I figured, okay, I better watch it because they're, they're – gonna have a season two okay and so yeah i'm watching it it's good but i'm not like i'm not super sold out on it okay that's legit um another show that i watched uh was animal control oh the one with uh joel Joel McHale. yeah uh, where joel McHale plays almost every other character joel McHale has ever played (laughs) um but this time he is working as an animal control officer. Um, I mean, you'd think that would be not a selling point, but but it is. It is a selling point. Um, it kind of starts off slow, but because at first I'm only into it because Joel McHale's in it. Mm-hmm. But gradually the side characters that are also part, strongly a part of the show... Um, their characters start to develop. You start to connect with them. Um, there's this tension between um, Joel McHale's partner uh, on the force who is the force. Yeah. The force <laughs> um, who used to be a like X game snowboarder. Oh, wow. Right. And uh, he tore his knee mm. and he moved back to Washington state and, uh, he thought this would sound like a fun job uh, between his partner and uh, the dog catcher. He thought that sounded fun. Dog catcher all day long. Uh, which <laughs> foot up a dog's butt. <laughs> they make a joke because throughout the show, they're being called to a whole bunch of random wild calls mm-hmm. like wild animals stuff. Uh, and he's like, I was told this job was primarily catching dogs and feeding them and petting them. <laughs> uh, but uh, th- that guy and the boss, uh, who she's new to the role, she kind of uh, had an in through the mayor, being friends with the mayor, and 
Uh, so she, Emily doesn't feel confident in it. And Shred uh, tries to boost her morale, but then there's like this tension of will they date, won't they date? Oh, uh, yes. And Shred. Standard for sitcoms now. Yeah. Shred, Thanks, Ross and Rachel. Yeah. Shred is uh, dating to or dating this lady who is like in Europe skiing. Uh, and they break up temporarily. And so it's like, oh, Shred and Emily's going to get together. And then, nope. And then it, it, you're spoiling the whole show. I'm not. What if we want to watch it? There's a whole lot more. I haven't okay. even gotten to the good. It's on lines. my list for so, sure. So, yeah. like, it's not the best show, but it's like, oh, if you don't have anything on, it's a fun binge. Yeah. Um, way back on our second pod ever. Oh, that's a long time ago. We talked about a little show called Yellowstone. And um, I got to admit, I stopped watching it. My wife and I stopped watching it because it just got ridiculous. We've recently come back to it. Oh, they lost me when Monica jumped the shark on like getting to the hospital in the most reckless way ever. Oh, man. Yeah. And listen, Monica continues to be one of the most hated characters in TV ever, I think, which... The actress is fine. It's the character as it's written. Oh, yeah. It's just so it's uh, annoying. I don't know if Taylor Sheridan's met a woman. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, let's get let's let's talk about Beth Dutton once per episode. So we've gone back with a different mindset. Now we watch it to kind of laugh at it. And at least once an episode, something Beth does, the the amount of people I know and women I know that love this show and in particular love that character is, is astounding. And every time we watch an episode, she does something. Kelly Riley plays the actress is that who plays Beth. She does something where I'm just like, why do people like this character again? She's awful. She is just a terrible, terrible person. <laughs> And I cannot get behind her at any moment. It's because she's sticking it to the man and she doesn't care. Oh, my gosh. But she's awful. She's just horrible. Well, no one lifts up the heroes anymore. We're all about the anti-hero, Dave. she, She is cartoonish in her actions. Speaking of a show where no one resembles a human being anymore. None of the characters except for Rip. Cole Hauser's Rip is the only reason to continue watching the show. He's the only one that seems human. Everyone else on the show, I don't even know what's going on anymore. Kevin Costner seems content to just be remain the best tongue actor in the game. <laughs> like the amount of acting he's doing by moving his tongue on around his mouth like so you can see it. Even in the even in the episode we watched last night, it, he's doing it. I'm just like this man's a legend. He is an absolute legend. He's still doing it. No one's observing it. (laughs) At some point, Kevin Costner was like, I just think it's a part of my character, John Dutton, to do this thing with his tongue. And he just went with it. And now I can't unsee it. He does it all the time. Um, Maybe he has sore gums. Gum disease. I wondered if maybe he was a tobacco chewer. Maybe that was it. But we just don't see it on camera because that's not a thing we glorify for the most part anymore. But he, it reminds me of that. Like he's always doing stuff with his tongue, moving stuff around his mouth. It's yeah. weird. Anyways, Yellowstone is laughable, um, but also still imminently watchable. 
because of that. It's just nuts. I have a I have a theory where any like soap opera ish drama show like this after a few seasons always gets to this point where to continue ratcheting up the drama, you have to have your characters not resemble humans. Um, and this is the last season. Yeah, that was announced because I guess there's a falling out with Costner. Yeah, Costner. Not only is he going through a divorce in real life. Mm-hmm. But evidently, is having beef with Taylor Sheridan, probably because Taylor hasn't met a woman and doesn't know how to write <laughs> women characters. I, I can confirm he <laughs> appears to not know women at all. And this dude, like someone, they need to bring on someone on the writing team who knows women and can write the characters. Because, bro, That's yikes, a little rough. All right, what are you into? Okay, so. I'm into, I don't know what to call them, because, like, the descriptions list them as documentaries, but they're not. They're, like, kind of ongoing series, um, more kind of along the the treasure hunting, what's out there realm oh, of things. yeah, 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 yeah. So I'll list three shows, and... Two of them are going to sound way out there. Like One, I've been, I've been watching Ancient Apocalypse. You mean like that? Yes. Okay. Um, so I'm not going to list that one, although I did watch it all, and um, I I really appreciate the the antique archaeological sites that we don't see or hear about that mm-hmm. often being yeah. shown. Um, They're always pyramids. Yes, it's always a pyramid. <laughs> Somewhere this pyramid's buried under the ground. It's a hill, but there's a pyramid down there. Anyways, trust us. You just have to watch it. Um, so, Expedition Unknown with Great Josh show. Gates. Josh Gates is the man. Um, let's see, Skinwalker Ranch and Outback Opal Hunters. This is nuts. I can't believe you watch this. So Outback Opal Hunters. Let me explain how we got to Outback Opal Hunters. Do I want to know how we got to Outback yes. Opal Hunters? Okay. okay. So Discovery and HBO Max, they combined. And we just got Max. Mm. And so I typed in, because on Discovery Channel, there was a show called Dino Hunters. And they were people out in South Dakota and... Wyoming and they were doing their Alan Grant thing. They were doing their Alan Grant thing. They were digging up fossils and most of them were just ranchers. And they're like, well, we know that there's fossils on our land and this will help pay for the cattle. And so you got to see a little bit of ranching and a lot of fossil digging. And I was here for it. Sounds fun. It was. Um, And especially when there was like, oh, this might be a new species that we didn't know ever existed. And I'm like, sweet. Happens a lot. Yeah, all the time. And so I was looking for that. Evidently, there's some discovery shows that have uh, deals with other streaming providers that haven't switched over yet. Mm -hmm. So that show didn't pop up. But what did pop up was Outback Opal Hunters. And I I finished the whole season that's on there. <laughs> you have so much time on your hands. <laughs> um, and like the Outback's just wild. Oh yeah, dude. Never. Everything there can kill you. Not enough money in the world to get me to go there. So there's one part of the Outback that's just constantly flooding, evidently. 
because uh, these opal hunters in that part are like, we can't get to our Aggie. Uh, <laughs> and because uh, it's flooded out. And then there's a whole another part out back that's just desert, never has gone rain, never will get rain. Yeah. And yeah, you know why? When, you, when one part's a desert and the other part is ever permanently flooding, God's trying to tell you something. Don't, you don't live here. It's not meant for humans. Um, Why would you go there? There are people that live in dugouts. Um, like baseball dugouts. <laughs> that would be awesome, but no. Um, like they're dug into the ground and oh. just living out of that. And then there's this guy who his name's Bishop. And Bishop is actually a Greek Orthodox bishop. Mm. And uh, the only reason he's opal hunting is he wants to set up a, a, a mission for drug rehabilitation for this small community because all the young people there, my age and younger, they're, they're, they're hooked on the drugs, and he just wants to get them help so they can get back on You mean the in Australia? Yeah, in Australia. Well, yeah, they live in dugouts. You just told me they live in dugouts in the earth. And... He's like this poor guy. He has diabetes. He has a huge hole in his foot. Oh, and they show it sometimes. Oh. <laughs> and like he's out there just barely getting around oh and my. finding Opal. And like, I love the narrator. He's like, Black Opal could be worth up to $43,000. Uh, Per a gram oh, wow. or per an ounce. And then like they, they tell you this and then it's like, Oh, we have this many ounces. Uh, so they do t- find opal. Oh yeah. They the find opal hunters. Yeah. So like 95% of the world's opal is in Australia in the oh. outback. All right. Um, and they find it, but like they come back with the figures of what they'll get for it or what they praise it at. And it's like, well, we got, 12 ounces we should be able to get ten thousand dollars out of this and i'm like <laughs> what happened to forty three thousand per an ounce oh man um but yes so that show um skinwalker ranch is the other far out there one um but so i usually don't go down the conspiracy theory ufo rabbit hole mm-hmm. um but with this show they have a guy on there who worked at NASA. And this guy had another Discovery Channel show, uh, like Backyard Rocket Boys or something. Him and his friends who grew up in Alabama, they all became rocket scientists, and they just made homemade rockets. Mm -hmm. As one does. Um, Turns out that this guy also was like the head of the UFO task force for the government. Oh. uh, That's a real thing. No, the thing that... They yeah, no, no. Thought, I'm, I'm, yeah, yeah, I'm saying sure, sure, sure. That's a real thing that they presented in front of Congress like a few years back. He was ahead of it, and so like he's him, on him and the dude from uh, Blink One Eighty Two, Tom DeLong. Yeah, Tom. Uh, but yeah, this guy. Um, so he, he's always like, I can't explain this, and I'm like, if you can't explain it, I can't explain it, and evidently indigenous people have already already explained it Mm -hmm. grounds cursed um so but keep watching it's kind of fun and then you'll be like 
why are they so like shocked by all this? It's the same thing from season one and season two and yeah. season three. Skinwalker Ranch. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but Expedition Unknown, great. Expedition Unknown. Yeah. By the way, if you're not following Josh Gates on TikTok, you really should be. I'm, I don't have TikTok. Oh, you don't have it? So I follow him on Twitter, and sometimes he makes funny tweets. Oh, man. Dude, he's hilarious. He's hilarious. And he's about, I never watched Expedition Unknown, and I've gone back. It's something I've recently gone back, gotten back into because of his TikTok, because he's such a funny dude. Um, and I've not been disappointed. He was in Coffeeville not that long ago. What? For the uh, Dalton. The Dalton gang? Yeah, because there's still hidden loot there's out there. Treasure. He went looking in one of the first couple episodes. He went looking for Jesse James' hidden loot. Yeah. I hope that he can find some of it. Yeah, he did not in the episode uh, that he, I'm speaking of. He's found stuff when, like, I've watched, but, like, nothing close by. Like, oh, where's all this Dalton gang treasure? Yeah. Expedition Unknown's great. Um, I have been watching a lot of YouTube. That's what I kind of fill my time with on, on a lot because I don't have, normally I'm not filling my time with an, I don't have an hour to spend to watch a show. So I'll watch, um, a guy named Ruslan. Ruslan? Uh, Ruslan to try to explain who Ruslan is. He's a Christian rapper who has now kind of segued into, I would call him the Christian Joe Rogan. He's very much that style of YouTube channel where he's having discussions like that. He's a really bright dude, smart dude, and he's a Christian. So he talks about those kind of things. And he is a voice much like Joe Rogan, where I would describe Joe Rogan as kind of a moderate guy. He's kind of in the middle on a lot of things. Um, Ruslan is someone, a voice that I think is badly needed in the Christian American Christian arena as a moderate voice. So he's very much a faith guy, but he's not super political. I will say he knows how to craft a tweet to make his topic seem like really interesting. Mm -hmm. And and I'm like, well, I already know how I feel about it, but now the way you worded it makes me want to listen, but I don't got time for that. Yeah. I, I feel like too, when I'm watching it, I don't, his, his people he has on, they're mostly jabronis. And I'm like, you, you need me on Ruslan. Bring me on. I want to be on Ruslan's talk show. Um, but that's something I've been watching. Another YouTube channel I'm really into right now. This is your people are going to think this is so dorky. Uh, but Reed Timmer. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Storm Chaser. American meteorologist and Storm Chaser, known for starring in the Discovery Channel reality television series Storm Chasers, as well as a documentary film, Tornado Glory, and in the series Tornado Chasers. He has his own YouTube channel where it's just him this time of year chasing down storms. Last week, just last week, they lit. So they've got like this tank that they drive around and they can like the dominator, the dominator, dominator three. So they're, they're on their third version of it. So they literally uh, have been looking for a tornado. And last week they did where they could get in front of it and they can clamp it into the ground and the tornado went right over them. You like, they literally live streamed a tornado, them being inside a tornado. It was fascinating and crazy. Um, so I actually got to see him. You you met Reed Timmer? Iola. He came and spoke at the Bolus Center. Oh, wow. Yeah, cool. and he brought the Dominator 2? 
Yeah. Well, these live streams, what I've learned is, is if you're out and about in the Midwest somewhere and you see the Dominator, you need to get the heck out of there. So crazy thing. Um, when I was gone for that week and the, the Scots came on, um, on my way back, there was a group of storm chasers heading towards Hayes. As I was uh-huh. leaving Hayes. Yeah, I watched that day. Reed was Reed was out there in that area. And I'm like, ooh, I'm leaving at the right time. Yeah, because so he like picked up some of his crew in Salina. Yeah. yeah and was and they made their way back to that area. Now it fizzled out pretty quickly, but And yeah. when I lived in Independence and was a pastor there, there was a storm chasing vehicle there that was parked at the Brahms. Nice. That, so that makes me sad, but okay. I I know what I'm looking for <laughs> in like mid April through May. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. as far as vehicle wise, of if they're heading the same direction I'm heading, this isn't good. So when I'm doing my computer work here at the radio station during the day, and I, I'll often have Reed Timmer's channel on in the background, just waiting for him to come across a tornado, and when they're live. Dominate, dominate, dominate. Yep, yep. Been watching some Reed. Reed Timmer. Yeah, what you got? Um, so I will jump to, because I'm on this Max kick. Um, since my schooling's done, I've had to make up for like a whole bunch of things I haven't watched. Um, so I watched a ton of animated DC films here mm-hmm. recently. Okay. Um, so Justice League Doom, Justice League Flashpoint Paradox, All right. Justice League Dark Apocalypse War, uh, Batman Gotham by Gaslight, which that one's cool because it's like based in London during Jack the Ripper. Yeah, Elseworlds. Yeah, yep. it's an Elseworlds story. Uh, Constantine City of Demons. Um, and so... But I love Justice League Doom just because, like, at the end of it, everyone's like, Batman, why would you keep files on us of how to (laughs) stop us? And he's like, if one of us was to go rogue, I would want uh, to be able to stop you from destroying everything. And if I was to go rogue, I'd want you to do the same. And they're like, well, that doesn't build trust. And he's like, you're a fool if you don't think this could happen. And they kick him out of the Justice League. What? Or he leaves without (laughs) getting kicked out before they can kick him out. And I'm like, come on, jabronis. You know Batman's right. Batman's cynicism is one of my favorite things about Batman. Um, It really plays well um, in uh, the animated world. I'm not going to lie. I laugh like out loud just mm-hmm. because Batman's being a complete cynic and everyone's like, now Batman and you fools. Yeah. I'm yep. here for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Constantine city of demons and like so far, um, and also the, uh, dark apocalypse war, has really re-intrigued me in the Constantine character. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very good. Um, I've been uh, spending a lot of time on Twitter looking for videos and finding videos of the Eric Lewis stuff. <laughs> Are you familiar with Eric Lewis? 
I'm not off the top of my head. Eric Lewis is in his 19th season as a referee in the NBA. Oh, yes. <laughs> I am into... Yeah, I know what you're talking Recently, about. Recently, um, he's being investigated because he is alleged has a burner account on Twitter. Otherwise, he has a creepy fan. <laughs> uh, he's been one of the NBA's highest rated officials in recent years, but what they're, what they're finding is, is that he has certain teams, namely the Boston Celtics, which he is a fan of. He grew up there, whatever. He's a Boston guy, and this burner account has lots of Boston, pro-Boston stuff. Well, they have... Of games he has refed, they have the highest winning percentage in games he's refed of all the NBA teams. Uh, so they've opened an investigation. The account has been deleted, but I've been sending you videos. I sent you a video the other day of a recent, the, a recent playoff game between the Heat and the Celtics, where at a crucial point in the game, um, a Heat player... When Jimmy Butler went in and laid it in and like they zoom in on, on his, his face, face and you can see the pain. And I'm just like, Ooh, that is not good. Not good. <laughs> That's not a good look, bro. It is. It's been alleged that maybe he's put money on some of the games, which how does this keep happening with their refs? Okay. So this goes into, uh, a doc that I watched on Netflix. Um, untold mm -hmm. operation flagrant foul yeah uh which is tim donahue uh he's the og he's the original yes NBA and ref. he alleged in that doc that oh there's refs still doing it mm -hmm. um they all just kept quiet yeah they didn't get caught and uh <sighs> he identified certain players getting certain calls uh because the nba told them Hey, if Jordan is not or is carrying the ball, don't stop Jordan from that is insane. going to the hole. That's insane. That's what gets us ratings. Oh my goodness. Like, dude, the whole validity of your game comes crumbling down, if that's true. Oh yeah. I've seen I have seen video of like LeBron like taking five steps without dribbling the ball. Um, James Harden might be <laughs> the worst at it. Like he's literally hopping all over the court without dribbling. And then finally it's like pass or sh shot real talk. I think sports are in real big trouble for this reason, because gambling now is legal sports gambling in particular. Now that's everywhere. FanDuel, uh, DraftKings, like it's just available in most States and you can do it legally. And, how do you stop your referees from taking part in this? Your players. Uh, uh, well, I mean, the NFL uh, suspended Calvin Ridley last season. But they have to find out about it. They have to know. And then suspended like three Detroit Lions this offseason. Um, and how many people are they not catching? A ton. A ton. Because I bet that Le if LeBron wanted to bet, he's having his friends place the bet for him. Now think about college sports where there's not so much oversight as you can have in the professional world. Think about some of the college basketball games you watched this year and the ridiculous calls that oh, were made. Oh, yeah. I, I, this, is, this past year of college basketball was one of the worst officiating seasons I think I've ever seen. I'm, I'm just not so sure, man. I don't know. Yeah. 
Um, so there's a lot of docs that I've been watching. Um, so I'll just quickly list yep. those. Uh, yeah, this will be the last thing. Oh, well, then I want to go with the movies instead. Just list out the docs. I would rather talk about the okay, movies. Okay, talk about the movies. Uh, Evil Dead Rise, if you're a fan of the Evil Dead and uh, serious, one of the more serious take on it. Okay, but... Uh, it's a new movie. How do they... Is it still Deadites? Um, so... Because you're already losing me without with no Bruce Campbell. Bruce Campbell's voice is in it. His voice. Um, it's a different book. Like, it's not the, so it's not there, the Necronomicon. It, but it looks like it. So there's three of them, evidently. Oh. Sam Raimi wrote. And yeah, okay. there's a bunch of things. Scotty Walker would be the one to have on. Geek Scotty. Yes. Um, let's see. Uh, so Dungeons Dragons, Honor Among Thieves. Was pretty good. It, it starts off kind of slow. And you're like, did they just show us all the good things in the trailer? But then, like, it picks up and gets really good at the end. Okay. It takes a while to develop. That's how I'll word it. Um, and then, um, where is the last movie? I know I had one more. <laughs> mm, sad. Oh, the lists. Um, anyway, um, The Long Walk by Stephen King. I'm reading it currently. Really good. The Long Walk's great. Yeah. So yeah, That's old stuff. It is. Yeah, but it's good. Yeah, I'm reading now. You're welcome, people. You're reading now. <laughs> you get done with school, and all of a sudden you're a reader. Look at you Who go. Who knew? Look at you go. Um, hey, what pop culture are you currently into, dear listeners? Make sure and follow our social media accounts on Facebook and Twitter if you don't already. And please interact with us on the posts for this episode. Share our our posts from our social media, share that and, and tell your friends why you love the podcast that helps us grow. And if we grow just more and more stuff we can do. Yeah. And if you were thinking, why didn't they mention card collecting or 3d printing? We ran out of time. I had it. Yeah. He's been, Cody's been doing a lot. I I've been making up for all the time. I wasn't doing good, productive pop culture things. I'm too busy. And I have, I'm less, I'm less interesting. If we're being honest, Cody's way more interesting than I am. I'm boring. <laughs> I play games on my phone. <laughs> Marvel snap. Yeah. Um, yeah. So what is it you're into right now? What have you been watching? What have you been reading? What are you listening to? We want to know all that. Make sure and uh, leave your comments on the post as always. Thank you so much for listening. We appreciate each and every one of you. We'll see you next time. Pop culture